0: Welcome to the Fabric Podcast, as we return to the concept of Care IQ, In a live gathering of Fabric in South Minneapolis, we came back to an important look at how we engage in supportive relationships when a different level of care is required.
1: Glad to have you all here today. I'm Greg Meyer, and Melissa Locke is joining me. Melissa not only helps with a lot of the presenting and stuff here, but she's worked with community engagement and groups and all that kind of stuff. And we've got Katie Lashock. Um, so, but uh, Katie is going to be taking your questions, feedback, comments, and stuff, and, and passing them on to us. So there is a number on the back of your up at the top on the back of your Sunday paper. If you want to text uh, questions, comments, whatever to her, if you're on the live stream, you can pop it in the comments on the live stream as well. I think you got a. Everybody has a little sticky note on their Sunday paper too. That's uh, if you can fit your question comment on the sticky note. Well, you know, you can just walk it down to her, pass it down. We can work that out, right? Um, Yeah. yeah.
2: So please bring your questions in this morning. We've been talking Care IQ for these last three weeks now. And um, in the poem that Tim shared, there was a line mostly we just don't want to harm each other. You know, that's so true, we don't. And we are recognizing with this IQ stuff that there are a lot of situations that require some extra skills, some extra awareness that, that just our normal ways of supporting and encouraging each other don't fit. So we are developing and learning together and realizing, oh, we can have a role in some really tough care situations and that that really matters. So, um, yeah, I'm glad to be doing this with all of you still.
1: So we're taking a little shift this week in, in what we're doing, because we have talked about like how you implement these uh, tools for the last three weeks. And, um, you know, so it's one thing to have these tools and when crisis happens, you turn to them and you've got a way to respond. But isn't there a way to be ready? I mean, is there a way to be more prepared so that you're not just responding, but... You're able to be proactive, and that's what we're really talking about today. So, this is we're talking about creating a care IQ climate because that's a way of helping us be proactive. And so, it is a little bit of a different kind of conversation, and I think it's an important way. So, you know, being proactive doesn't mean there's a different set of tools you use, but it means that you have created a culture around these tools so that it is up and running when things happen, and that seems pretty important. Now, uh, on the first week, I mentioned that there's not going to be a lot of God-Jesus-Bible talk during this series. And that is because this is about as God-Bible-Jesus as you can think of. I mean, it doesn't really need a lot of justification or anything like that. Um, I mean, it's so fundamental. What we are talking about is so fundamental to virtually any sacred or wisdom tradition that exists that, I mean, that's kind of all we need to say. Just to maybe give it a little bit of grounding here again, there's this call in the Bible, in the New Testament, right? The time of Jesus in the early church to love your neighbor, right? Jesus says that uh, six times, the rest of the writers in the New Testament repeated another three times. Love your neighbor, okay? That, that seems to be pretty clear. And then Jesus tells us to love one another four times. Uh, the rest of the New Testament writers repeated another 16 times, all right? Um, I'd call that a mandate, you know? Love your neighbor, love one another. That's a basic. What they don't tell us is how. Right and why? well, one, the Bible is not an instruction manual; it doesn 't work that way, and knowing how to love your neighbor, love one another isn't an instruction kind of thing. it doesn 't work that easily it 's more art to it it 's more learning how to do it. What the Bible does is give us innumerable scenarios, stories, narratives, places where love is acted out well, and places where love is not worked out well inviting us into that life experience, that life learning that we do on our own and together to figure out how to live out this, love one another. We're called into that. So that's what we're doing. This is a hard-earned learning experience sort of thing that's passed on from generation to generation. And we are continuing that right now, right here, passing that on as well.
2: Alright, are we ready? So here we are. We've been learning, we've been practicing, and you know, it's one thing to uh, to know these tools yourself and be able to show up in a given situation. Like, that is a really, really good thing to show up well, not make it worse, you know, to feel like you're actually helping. Uh, today we're talking about um, not only you, like not you in your toolbox, but us and our toolboxes together. And the power of of letting this ripple out into something bigger, so that we're part of a CareIQ culture and not just each of us individually, because we know it actually doesn't work that way. We need that to be part of that larger circle. There's so much power in that. So, So if it's just you and your CareIQ toolbox, that's a CareIQ person. But when everyone around us has a toolbox, that's the CareIQ culture that we're gonna be talking about this morning. And which, I mean, which do you think is more powerful, just us on our own or all of us together? You know, rhetorical question there. I think we know that, and we have a role in creating not only our own toolbox skills, but this culture.
1: That's right. So that's what we're doing here. Uh, We realize the limits and the dangers of having a couple people with these skills and running around trying to put out the fires. That's their job. And we realize the potential... Of us all having these skills and taking them to all the different places, all the different circumstances that we bump into, which means you aren't just all, and we aren't just all Care IQ students. We are all, what Care IQ pass it honors, All right, um, we we pass along to other people that that proactivity that I was talking about, which is you know what Care IQ is intended to be and what this culture is ab- about. That CareI- that pro- proactivity when we um, practice it inward is how we learn the tools. It's how we gain experience with them. When we practice it outward, that's how we create a movement. And that's that's irreplaceable.
2: I don't feel like much of an expert, though. I think that's, you know, like, who am I to pass this along?
1: And who are Um, we to sit up here and talk about this? Yeah, exactly.
2: Totally. Um, But that's the good news. We don't have to be an expert to practice, and we don't have to be an expert to pass it along either. Um, It can feel pretty audacious to go out and teach others how to be a better caregiver because that is audacious and that's not what we're talking about we're talking about being learners together to invite others into your learning into your practice and and not to teach them what they should know okay so just get that out of your head you are like none of us are doing that so
1: right so um when you talk about, and I think we've talked about this already, but I, it's important to say it again. When we do create a caricature culture, there's some things that it can and some things that it can't do, right? One thing that it can't do is crisis-proof your life, right? Or there, anyone
2: you love's life, right, unfortunately.
1: We can't make the problems all go away. If you um, look at the screen there, let me, let me just read this for people that are on the, um, on the podcast or on the live stream. but. We talked about these on the first week. I just mentioned them, and I had you all raise your hand if some of these have been true in your life. Um, No one didn't raise their hand for any of them. Um, I think everyone raised their hand for more than one, but just let me read real quickly. Divorce is separation, abuse, job loss, financial crisis, mental illness, chronic illness, life trauma, addiction, death, raising special needs children, caring for aging parents, legal problems, homelessness. Now, if you if you think about those, uh, a lot of those things just happen to us. I mean, you don't choose them. You don't do something wrong and it comes to your life. These are the things that just happen. And there's no way, you know, be having a carry cue culture, having this toolbox up and ready is going to make those not happen to you. What it does is it helps us deal with it when we get there.
2: So we can't crisis-proof, um, but we can increase our strength and resilience when these inevitable situations appear in our lives, um, when we bump into them. And strength and resilience, it's no accident, I think, that we're talking about this here together where we talk about three strands being woven together deeply, and that's where our strength is. It's when our true self is, is weaving in and learning this, practicing this care stuff, with others and with this larger strength that we sometimes call God or that which is, or you find your own meaningful name, but it's something bigger than, than us on our own.
1: Right. Another thing that having a KRIQ culture can do is to break down those obstacles of shame and stigma. Uh, that, yeah. Those are so powerful in our society. Again, if you look at that list again, how many of those? Are we not wanting to associate with ourselves or we're hesitant to approach them with someone else around us because of the stigma or the shame that we feel like we might be putting on that person for that? Uh, that it's got to go, folks. I mean, we have to just realize that these are real things that happen in our lives and we run into them and we can talk about them, we can deal with them. And when we have a care acute culture and we're all aware of that, we're not judging the person, we're helping people deal with difficult stuff, that's possible.
2: Yeah, you make it sound easy, but then we that's why we're talking about it, because right. shame <laughs> is a hard nut, right? Um, yeah. Okay, also, CARIQ culture helps each one of us invest in a support team to help us do this. So we'll be talking more about this, but this, this is really where you get to practice and experience that strength and resilience where it becomes real, where you're letting it actually sink in in your life and make – make a difference. And, you know, it's just this reminder that you're, you're a wonder by yourself, but not a one woman wonder, a one man wonder. Um, the wonder comes from our
1: connectedness. So, and while you having a Kariq culture and having these tools yourself won't help you, won't bypass all your problems. It can help you bypass some problems. It can help you, you know, what, uh, yeah. you know, dodge some bullets, uh,
2: Lower your defenses if you're right. in a situation where, like, oh, I don't know what to do, or I need help and I don't want to need help. It, it just, it it can help avoid like unnecessary problems that are layered on top of the real ones that you can't avoid. You know, like if we can be more clear and upfront and proactive about this stuff, we can actually avoid some of the hard things. That's right. That's hopeful.
1: <laughs> so we have this expression. We've said this every week during the series. We say it a lot, and it's a good to remember. But um, Practice when it's easy so you have the skills you need when it's not, okay? And um, and there, you know, if you look at that on your outline there, uh, it's, there's a couple of blanks. And it, under skills, it says tools and experience, right? And I, I just want to highlight that when we talk about skills, that's what we're talking about, tools and experience. You have the tools that okay I, I kind of know some of the things to do to help me navigate a CARE-IQ situation, and then I actually have the experience to use them. Uh, now let me share you a story about this. I, I shared this story quite a few years ago, but I, I doubt any of you remember it. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, my, my son, who's now much older, when he was in high school, he was a hardcore canoeer and kayaker. He was on a competitive team that actually traveled all in the country with it, and he was he was really good. So we were up at a lake, and he brought one of these, it was a, uh, he, what he called a level four kayak along with us. It was like way, way longer than our car. 18 feet long, barely big enough for my hips, completely round bottom, nothing flat on it at the bottom at all. So we take it up there, I help him put in the lake, and he's zipping all over the place. I like, yeah, can I try that? He kind of laughs and says, yeah, sure, try. And I thought, well, I, you know, I've been kayaking, I've been canoeing since I was a kid. I'm, you know, athletic, I can do this. So I get in there, he's holding the kayak, I climb in, he lets go, In the water. Okay, okay, I got this. I get in, second time, he lets go. This is not an exaggeration. I tried at least 20 times. My total time upright out of the water was less than four seconds. I never got the paddle in the water. (laughs) And I said, Jordan, how do you do this? He says, well, Dad, we don't start in canoes like this or kayaks like this. We start in, he calls the ones like we all use, he calls it, we start in the bricks. (laughs) (laughs) And we work up till we finally get to these level four kayaks. You don't do this even your first year. I said, okay, those CARIQ situations that you're going to run into, those big ones, those are your level four kayaks. Yeah. you you try to jump in there. you say, well, I've got the tools. I got the paddle. I got the kayak. I've done this before. I know how to do it. Yeah, you do, but you don't have the experience yet. That's why you not only need the tools, you need the experience. And that's um, pretty important stuff.
2: Yeah. So we to get that experience, um, to build our QRAQ, to build it together, um, you need to be intentional, and you need to be bold. Um, and I think that word bold is a big message this morning. And I hope that you're starting to think of some, yeah, buts, but what about, and what if, and send those to, send those to Katie. So IQ situations are important to be addressed be, because, well, because they're important, but also they're just really hard. And um, they're really tempting to avoid and ignore and sweep under the rug and pull the covers over your head, right? And so we really need people around us. We need each other. You might need to be that person that shows up in a way that has, you know, with some bravery, with some guts and says, wait, there's something going on here. This is a time for, for some CARE IQ. Um, and that takes learning and practice. So again, that's why we're doing all this. It doesn't um, just happen by accident. Care, care like this can happen because we're intentional about it and sometimes because we're bold and brave.
1: Yeah, so you don't have to be a, an expert, but sometimes you do have to be an initiator. And yeah. because it's worth it, it's important to do that.
2: Um, so how do we do this? How do we practice? And I think the best way that we've probably all can even guess is by creating a team. Creating a CareIQ culture starts by creating a team. And um, that will take some intentionality and some boldness. And um, that's because this, this these, these teams that you're already a part of, whether it's a group here or at work or at home, um, you share a lot of life with each other. Like the, this is where you are. This is where your care is going to be given and received and flow. And um, just going with the flow of how things easily and comfortably happen it's not always going to be enough especially when the big stuff hits the fan for you um so so don't apologize for being intentional with the groups that you're a part of and saying hey we could have a purpose together to actually care for each other yeah yeah
1: no that's really important so you know you've get the people that are important to you that you're trying to create this team with. And you're there to have fun with them. You're there to enjoy each other. And, you know, that's a given. Um, But you're also there for these other reasons. And that is these four words that we repeat pretty often, share, care, trust, and grow, right? That's the purpose of these teams you're creating, share, care, trust, and grow. grow. And the word care is emphasized because that's kind of the um, area of those relationships that we're talking about right now. So, those are four words. I hope you kind of all keep in your head: share, care, trust, and grow. And um, those are what we call, or what we consider to be the basic, the basic characteristics of significant relationships. And we need these significant relationships in our lives. They're the things that you know create. They require some intentionality, but they're the things that can really be a different, make a difference in your lives. Now, uh, you've got other people that. For whom that isn't the purpose of your relationships. You've got people that you just have friends with, people that you have fun with and stuff, and, you know, and that is fine. These significant relations relationships that we're talking about, they aren't better than those other relationships. they're just different, and they serve a different purpose in, it, in your life. And you need those relationships well. Like some of you might, uh, as well. Some of you might be saying, "Well,, you know, I don't really need that. You know, I, I'm fine. I don't need friends or get into all that stuff and talk about all this stuff." And, you know, and I'm going to say, yeah, you do. you do. You don't need all of your relationships to be like that, but you need some of your relationships to be like that. Because you may not need it right now, but maybe some of those other friends need it right now. And because you haven't ever had that intentionality, you don't see each other that way, you just aren't there for each other. You know, so you, while you may not need all of your relationships to be these significant relationships that have this shared care, trust, and grow, you know, intentionally woven into it, There will be times when you need to take the skills, the experience you've gleaned from having that team that has those characteristics and to use it with your other friends, those other places. Because, yeah, I mean, someone's got to have to bring those those things into their lives at some point or another. Oh, Katie.
2: (laughs) Hi.
3: Hi. Uh, So while we are talking about the team approach, if you you can kind of throw this in. in spectrum of on the one hand you keep saying practice when it's easy and to be honest sometimes it doesn't ever feel all that easy Um, so I guess there is a bit of bravery just jumping in and kind of doing the best you can and I could see how like building a team like intentionally working with others could help with that then on the other hand there's also that other end of the spectrum where you can see a need for care and you want to jump in and fix it all And yet it's not always your role or it's not always your role alone. So if you can kind of weave those things in about, does that make any sense? Kind of the, the two spectrums or the spectrum of, um, this never feels easy. How do I just jump in to, oh yeah, I got this everyone. I'm going to save the day and (laughs) verse, you know, so how does team fit into all of that? They remind
2: you maybe that to stay out of both of those places.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I think we're going to, um, hopefully get to that a little bit more, but, um, the, the truth of the matter is that care IQ situations are not easy. And if you're going to be constructive in there, there's going to be an element of it's not easy or it's awkward. If you're not sure if you're doing the right thing, that is going to be a given. But if you don't want to either, you know, fall into the hero complex or run away because you have no idea what to do, you're going to have to try something. Right. And, um, it's like, so even using some of these skills and, like when we ask you to talk here with each other, you know, <laughs> like when we, we told you you're supposed to do it, you know, but anyway. Yeah,
2: I mean, it's tempting to want the experts to leave it to the experts, I think. Um, and but when you have I mean, the best people to give you care or to care for are the ones that you've shared some stuff with right like who actually know you um like we could hire expert caregivers at fabric (laughs) i suppose or just like depend on one or two people and there'd be like a little bit of care going on but when we're all practicing um we get the right care that we and we get more care going on and you know so um you know not when you need care greg might not be the best person or me I mean, Typically imagine not. that. <laughs> um, and we've had just wonderful experts, professionals up here. Jen Markworth was here last week, and Jesse Berg was, was helping unpack these tools. But all of them, even those professionals, are still practicing, right? That was like one of the first things they, they both shared. And
1: they both know that they're often not the best first stop. Yeah, right?
2: yeah, yeah, because... You know, you might be the one that helps widen someone's circle to a Jen or a Jesse or to the, to the person that has the information or the, the help that, that could really crack something open f- for them.
1: Let me give an example of um, how important these teams can be and maybe a, a, a real life one. Let, I want to talk about the kids in our lives, right? I don't know if you have kids yourself or not, um, but we all have kids in our lives, right? The kids around us, and I, th- I hope we all care about them. Um, so there's an organization that's based here in Minneapolis uh, called Search Institute, and they are world, used worldwide um, because of their research that they do with youth and what helps youth be successful in life and using the word successful in a very positive, you know, a real way, not just rich and famous or something like that. And uh, they've actually surveyed over 6 million um, kids in order to get their data and to investigate it and so on. And they've came up, they came up with 40 developmental assets that kids can have. And they say, on average, kids that seem to do pretty well in life have at least 16 of these assets. And they go through them. The top two are you know, probably not surprisingly related to your family and how your family is an asset to you and so on. But the third one, the third asset, which is, I think, really interesting. Are other adults? Do these kids have other adults in their lives who know them for their own sake? Not just because they know, you know, I know that kid because I know their parents, but I know that kid. And when I meet that kid, I talk to them to find out about them, and they talk to me about to know me. They say if a a kid can name, a kid should be able to name three other adults like that. So that's a biggie. Not only are there three other adults, but can your kid actually name them? Ask your kids, ask the kids in your lives. Can you name three other people? If they, and if you're one of those other adults and they name you, wow. Right? And that's the other big piece. You, that your child, this child may be able to name those three, but do those three adults know that they play that role in that kid's life? That's that intentionality, right? That's creating the team. And how powerful to find out that you are that team. I mean, how many people here would love all kids to have those adults in their lives? Mm-hmm. How many people in here? How many people would be willing to be one of those adults? In some kid's life, congratulations! You all volunteered for youth ministry. Uh, <laughs> we, we took we took a picture of you. No, no, but seriously, I mean, all those people in the rest of the building right now, working with our kids, or those adults that are working with the kids that are high school and our middle schoolers during the week, or going on the trip to Appalachia with them in the summer. Do you think they're all just filling spots, filling slots that we need, or do you think they are investing in the most important resource we have? our kids. Yeah, I mean, that's what they're doing. They are building people. They're doing it for all of us. They're doing it for the betterment of this community, and they are loving it. That's an important thing to remember for us to all keep into perspective.
2: Yeah, so another opportunity we have as Fabric that I love that we seize is to have groups, to practice through groups. So, uh, those are the teams that we create as a community here, because we're in such a great position to do it. I mean, let's be honest; it doesn't just whip up this kind of. You don't have these conversations and talk about like um, widening your circle or these tools or these difficult situations just anywhere. Um, we need we need some help making this happen, and that's what we can do for each other. So we don't we don't um, you know have groups. For the organization's benefit it's for us you know these make a difference in our lives it's it's how it works so um, it's great because you come here and we're talking up here we set a stage and we kind of do the heavy lifting like giving you an assignment right so you don't have to be the super awkward one being like let's have a i want to talk about caring for each other in difficult situations no it's like oh we're talking about this so let's do it and so that heavy lifting has already started. And you've got all these other people who have agreed, like, yeah, I want to look at this. I'm willing to be a little brave. I'm, I know we need to be intentional. Um, so that's why we do groups and what's behind that, um, by, from the content that we share and the, just the materials that we give you as a group to, to walk you through um, and not be quite as awkward. It's still a little weird, though. To be honest.
1: <laughs> yeah. So you know, one of those things that your fabric group can do, and Katie, I think that speaks to that question you're um, asking, is that we're, we're trying to give you a manual place where, like Melissa said, we've done some of the heavy lifting already by talking about some of these conversations and and giving you that expectation that when you meet with these people, you're going to talk about it, right? But it gives you a place mm-hmm. where you can learn how to do this, right? Maybe problem-solving. i got other places in my life where this is a harder thing to do. It's more difficult to be intentional about it. And I can learn. I can, like, see it happening here, and, um, and I can get support. So learning, and then there's support. And important word there is that this is mutual, too. There's mutual yeah. learning. You're not just going there to learn. You're all learning this together. You're all trying to figure out how to take it to your family, how to take it to your extended family, how to take it to your friends, how to take it to your workplace, all Right. Um, you get the mutual learning, mutual support. And I think this one is really big. Mutual accountability, right? I've said, my workplace is really dysfunctional, and there's some people that are really hurting, and no one addresses it. In fact, they're just making it worse, and we need IQ there. How can I bring that in from my position in my workplace? And you've got people that are, can help you learn about it, give you some support and do it, and hold you accountable. You said you were going to talk to your manager about that this week. Did you? No, well, I didn't do it at my place of work either, but, you know, so this is tough, but let's decide we're going to do it by next week, you know, sort of thing. But I think that mutual accountability can be really um, helpful and...
2: Yeah, and it's mutual and it's friendly because we're all in the same kayak
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> together, you know? Well, that would be hard, but, um, <laughs> but we're right. all learning, you know, we're all under construction and, and have that bottom line assumption... Um, that we're all loved and have potential to learn this and it can make a difference and all that. And it just is such a different context to grow in that's so unique. And I'm so grateful for, for us having that opportunity.
0: Well, I was, as I was sitting there listening to this and, and you're talking about awkward and learning together, I remember when I was in couples therapy with my wife, still my wife, but we went through a few close calls along the way, uh, and we did this one thing where, maybe you've done this too, or you've heard of this, but we had to, like, get so, like, kindergarten feeling in our communication. Like, we, we, I'd say the story that would probably make her eyes roll, or vice versa, but she couldn't roll them, or I couldn't roll them. You had to really listen, and then you had to say, like, I heard you, and then it went back and forth. It was so rote, It was embarrassing almost, Lee wrote. Mm -hmm. And that was more extreme than what you're talking about, but it helped so much to develop. What it did for me was it broke my, you know, sort of feeling that she thought the same way I did for, which was, I'm sure, in the way for so long. And I think that these things come along that when you start practicing them, you, you break your patterns that you grew up with, your parents did them, your grandparents did them, and we're breaking these really powerful patterns, uh, that that social patterns that are so strong, and and then you can trust, and you have the language that you share together. And if you do go into a community that doesn't practice it, you got you still have those skills, and it's helpful to people, and yourself to have some understanding, or a feeling that you are trust trustworthy somehow yeah. transmitting. Uh, I guess that's what I was going to say. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Just kind of that's sort of the last piece here really is, um, I think it fits right into it, is that opening your team's care toolbox by normalizing conversations and practices is a big thing to do. Like, how do you just normalize some of this stuff? And, you know, part of it, um, uh, just it's interesting, like, you know, Tim talked about therapy and, and, and he and his wife going to therapy. And that is becoming much more and more common. You hear that? But I bet you there's... 50% 50% of our Twin Cities population that can't say that word out loud or relate to it or would never go get help if it meant getting therapy. Why? It, again, shame and stigma. Is It's not because they don't need it. It's not because it's just a normal thing to do. But how do we normalize these sorts of things? And so you know, having conversations and practices that help us to normalize the fact that we all need help and that there's difficult stuff going on in life and we do what we need to do to address it. I mean, that, it's just all good and healthy. And so those two words, conversations and practice, one, you talk about these care issues. And you talk about them, this is the proactivity part, right? You talk about them before it becomes a problem or even when it's not a problem. We talk about some of these things. We bring them up. We, we mention them. Uh, create places in your routine where conversations like about hard topics could be happening and so on. And you and know, this
2: is one of those routines, right? Like right. coming here on Sunday is you're already, win, check that, you know, you've done it. You showed up and keep coming back, right? And, and your group might be that other spot. Um, your dinner table might be a spot. I don't know, the bedtime, like think of those moments where you can be intentional and maybe a little bold and maybe just a little awkward um, I think you talked about awkward somewhere.
1: <laughs> well, um, it's on the it, side. It says there's yeah. awkward and then there's awkward. You know. And the awkward is like um, in your group, bringing up like every, every week we read through the group agreements to make sure we're healthy. All right. That feels kind of awkward. OK, we're going to read through these again. Um, you're doing it what you're practicing when it's easy. So um, you have the skills you need when, you, when it's not. Right. So you read through them again. I mean that that might feel awkward to ask your group to all read through those again but you know what's really awkward is to find out that someone heard some really pretty confidential stuff and then started telling other friends about it and it gets back to the person who was at about later and they found out that that group that they were in was no longer a trustworthy place that's awkward all right and i use awkward in a you know i mean that's not awkward yeah, that's, that's like painful. dangerous gut that's written, painful get, gut yeah. yeah um so don't be afraid of that. that ah, it's kind of embarrassing to bring this up. It's embarrassing to remind each other about these things. It's embarrass you know, just get over that because the real danger is when you don't practice these things, when you're not versed in them and, you know, stuff, stuff goes wrong.
2: Yeah, and, and I think just, ha- like, I feel like normalizing that we have needs. Like, we, we don't have to let having mental, emotional, physical limits <laughs> be a sign of weakness it is not a sign of weakness i think early on in this um there was the the point greg you said that having needs isn't
1: caregiving isn't a sign of strength it's a sign of living in community and care receiving is not a sign of weakness it's a sign of living in community and we all do that we're all caregivers we're all care receivers and that's how we're healthy
3: i appreciate that focus on the care receiving and normalizing that as well yeah Um, And I'm just going to read this so I don't miss something, because this was good. Um, From the perspective of care receiving, that part can never feel easy, um, and it can be hard to practice. Um, Maybe something, that can be something as a caregiver we ask, how can we make it easier for you, like to receive care? Okay,
2: yes. (laughs) That might be
3: a powerful way to find out what your role might be in those situations. So I think spending a little bit more time, less time thinking about it as giving and receiving and, and that's a, like a, a feedback loop of giving care, receiving care, modifying how the care is given, yeah. finding out how is the care best received, and really I think normalizing that as a
2: full-blown yes, feedback loop. Yes, yes. I mean, that's the conversation, right? Um, one of the last points here is to practice preventative maintenance before issues have a chance to develop and um one of the things that this this question reminds me that I had a conversation with my family um this weekend about because I knew we were talking about this and and when we first talked about this six years ago we had I had gotten advice to have like family meetings you know, and what they would include would be. Just So every Saturday we tried this having pancakes and, and asking each other or giving compliments and appreciations first. And then the second thing was, what do you need help with? So every Saturday we would ask these two questions. And a lot of times it was groaning and like, can we just be done? I want to go, you know, from the kids or, um, or I don't need any help, you know, nothing. Um, I'm good. But it always this, was this holding spot so I was revisiting that we were all together this weekend, and, and I was like, so, did that make a difference, or was it just, uh, you know, like, what do you think? Do you? And I, my, my oldest, um, actually, they have family meetings with their roommates, and because he he was sharing something I thought was so on point, that there's never it never feels like the right time to ask someone for help. It never feels like a convenient, because it's not. It's never a, t- a good time to have a crisis or to have needs. And let's normalize that too. And if we're part of a wider circle, like we don't have to worry about it being a good time. I know you're going to say no if you need to. And I know you, we share this. Like, yeah, I think your life is worth it. I think you are worth being cared for. That's how we roll,
1: you know? Um. I th- and I think in that those care IQ teams, that care IQ culture, you see asking for help modeled in difficult places. So it's not as hard for you as well. Because you're right. It isn't just learning how to, um, to give care. It's also learning how to receive care and how to ask for that care. And when you see that modeled, when the other people have done it before, that helps break the ice for you to do it. And, yeah. It's still hard. None of this makes it not hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: A couple of things that make it a little easier with with groups is like the establishing, and you can do this at home too, like establishing agreements or routines um, early on and just especially like in a group realizing or in a family that we all have needs all the time. So there might be some that, you know, to you, it feels like yours isn't big enough or important enough or you shouldn't be asking for help because that person's is so much worse. or, um, and, and we can establish that this is a mutual time for caring. And so, um, like, one of the basic ground rules in a group would be, like, we're going to let everybody have space to share. We're not going to take up all the time on one person's needs and that might sound a little mean or something but what if it's like hey let's I sense this is a bigger deal let's take 20 minutes and how could how could we use this time um, that would be helpful Um, and then it sounds harsh if it's in the moment right like if it's in the moment and someone's talking too much at home and like okay everybody else has needs too, you know let's stop but if we have said that ahead of time and said, well, oh, this is how we're gonna handle this. It's just so much better when it comes up um, and so much less, less awkward because we've established that. Established um, the
1: idea and the, ration, the reason behind yeah. it. Right? So, yeah, yeah,
2: I heard someone say clarity is kindness and I, that helped a lot, like being clear, like this is why we're here and, and this is what, how we're gonna operate in this space. So having some spaces like that where you're really intentional can be also really kind and powerful.
1: So I just want to close up by bringing us back to the vision of this. And you know, we can have these CARE-IQ tools, and we can practice them, or we can be part of sharing these and building CARE-IQ communities around ourselves. And you'll find that that's you know, this last thing there, creating a CARE-IQ culture by building a team that builds teams, right? create a culture that builds. So it doesn't just like you and then I'm going to create one more group here, that's it. No, it doesn't stop there. That team you create, then they go, they have different places. They've got family, they've got extended family, they've got workplaces, they've, you know, they've got friend groups and so on. How do they keep doing that? And then they pass that on to those people so that they go and pass and create CARIQ teams, right? So uh, carry, creating a CARIQ culture by building a team that builds teams, that build teams, that build teams, that build teams. That build teams. And, um, you know, I think that's what it was about. You know, Jesus uh, traveled this earth and um, he attracted a lot of followers. But what he built were leaders, people who would take that love and equip other people. And I think that's what we're called to do as well. And it makes all the difference. So working from the vision of this all.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So there are communication cards. And one thing I actually want to highlight on that, um, there's a spot to say if you're interested in a group. I also want you to add, if you're in a group right now and... We all, I think with you haven't been in a group, you hear about groups and you're like, how do I get into that? Like, it seems like they're just so established and all, they all have it all figured out. Well, that's not really true. (laughs) We want, like, the groups appreciate, like, I can speak for mine, like, fresh faces and we want everyone here to be connected.
0: Thanks for listening. We hope this podcast sparks conversation in other parts of your life. If you're looking for meaningful connections, there's a fabric group for you to try, whether you're in the Twin Cities or not. Tag at MPLS with your wonderings on social media and find resources on our website, FabricMPLS.com.